Welcome to the Do Divorce Right podcast. I'm your host, Becca Maxwell, and I'm here to help you transition through your divorce with ease and integrity, to not only survive the challenges of your divorce, but to thrive as you come out the other side of it with a much better life than you ever hoped possible. On this show, we talk about many different aspects of divorce, interview women who have their own incredible divorce stories, or those who can offer some great advice as you go through yours. The focus here is to help you find the strength and support to help you feel lighter, happier, more positive, and in a better frame of mind to face the inevitable challenges of your current journey. Okay, today we're talking to Emma Gilmore, which I'm very excited about. Emma left a senior corporate career in marketing and then studied counselling and psychotherapy and emotionally intelligent parenting, which I find fascinating, before finding this naked mind and being inspired to coach people around their relationship with alcohol. Emma's built a successful business, Hope Rising Coaching. And what I love about what you do, Emma, is that there's so much around the experiment of giving up alcohol, that it's not necessarily about, that's it, I'm done, I never want to drink booze again, but like you say, the relationship with alcohol rather than just dropping everything. So thank you so much for joining me. I've got loads of questions for you. Um Is there anything that I missed in that story about introducing you? Do you want to tell us anything more about yourself or why you felt drawn to coaching people in this relationship with alcohol? Yeah, absolutely. I'll just do a really quick uh, overview of my journey with alcohol. So I take your time. um, Thank you. I stopped (laughs) drinking in January 2020, and I did that using this Naked Mind, which many people will know is a book and a methodology of stopping drinking. Um, and I was intended to stop for a year. And the reason that I did that was because I'd been for a couple of years, I think I'd been struggling with this concept of, um, I, so it was almost like I had two parts of me. One part was like, I want to live my life in this way. And another part of me was sort of really wanting to drink and party and be a big party animal person as well as and then there's another part so it's like I had these two parts of me that were constantly conflicted and Mm. I felt like I was in battle with myself like I'd have the sort of responsible part of me and then I'd have this like kind of um wild child wild party child (laughs) and then as I got a little bit older and as I went through my experience of leaving the corporate marketing world um I think with the perimenopause coming on as well and I think I'd been working like so many of us do in our kind of formative years just to to really try and be everything to everybody so the you know the corporate whiz kid the great mum that ladder (laughs) all of those things and I felt like I was doing it all really badly and my relationship with my husband was terrible and it was just all seemed to be going wrong and I kept thinking I'm sure that if if I could change this one thing it would all get better but you didn't know at the time what it was I I didn't know what it was I kept trying all these different things and I was majorly meditating every every day day. (laughs) I was like meditating running doing yoga and yet I still kept waking up at three o'clock in the morning and beating myself up and just feeling so terrible about myself and my anxiety started to go up 
and I'd left corporate. So I was like, how come I'm still feeling crappy? And then it dawned on me, a few things happened. I um, had a situation after I was at a girlfriend's house where I tripped and fell into a rose bush and the rose bush got stuck near my jugular. And I ended up going to hospital and my kid was with me because we'd just been a, a friendly evening around someone's house. And there was a few other things like that. My eldest came into, um, I was putting her to bed and it would have been after we'd had a big garden party in our house. And she, I was, I came in with a glass of wine. She said, mum, please don't bring wine in when you're putting me to bed. It makes me feel really anxious. And those oh, were the wow. sort of two elements. And I thought, I'm going to. How old was she at this point? It was about 11. Wow, that's really emotionally intelligent. It was really interesting, wasn't it? To be able to articulate that, yeah. That's right. They surprise you, the kids, Mm. don't they? And it it was at that point that I thought I'd been doing Dry July, Sober October, but I always wanted to go back to drinking. I was always, like, desperately desperate for it to finish and then I did the January um alcohol experiment which is what I coach now and within two weeks I was like this is this there's something magical about this I need to share this about this specific methodology right about this specific methodology it's all about self-compassion and kindness and uh, awareness without judgment and looking at what's happening with regards to alcohol and yourself um, and I just feel like awareness sh- without judgment might be a tattoo that we're all required to get. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely right. I Absolutely feel like right. that's something we should just be like imprinted. That's in it. Us. Awareness <laughs> without judgment. Awareness. Yeah. With, and we're so internally judgmental. and externally. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. That's right. <laughs> and that was with, literally within two weeks. I was like, I want to add this to my um, counselling and psychotherapy uh, arsenal. Arsenal, yeah. so that I they can really specialise on this, particularly for for women and particularly for women in midlife. So amazing. that's how I found myself doing this. That's amazing. The reason I wanted to talk to you was because in my role as a divorce coach, I see people at all different stages of divorce and separation. So, you know, I speak to people who have been separated and gone on to build their life in a very healthy way I talk to people who are right in the moment of I'm you know I've just packed the bags or you know we're, we're living apart and he's he's moving into another house or whatever it is but the, the a common thread that I observed in those that managed to look back on that period or or go through that period with some element of success or feeling good about themselves were those that said I chose not to drink mm-hmm. and I just thought what is that? What is that about? And I thought, who better to ask than you? Um, <laughs> I don't know the answer, and I'm and I'm not yes. actually advocating. I'm I'm not telling any of my clients you must give up drinking. Mm-hmm. But I mm-hmm. found that a really interesting common thread. Yes. So that surprised me. What do mm-hmm. you think that? What would be your hypothesis around that? Why are these women having a more, more successful divorce and separation when they give yeah. up drinking? Yeah. What are your thoughts on it's that? A really great question, and I love I love to answer it. Anything to do with women and drinking is really really interesting because the reasons why we drink are so many. Yeah, um, and very very rarely about the actual alcohol itself. <clears throat> 
very often about what's going on for us, how we're feeling and what alcohol does to us when we are drinking. And again, I'm not advocating for abstinence of drinking. It's, you know, we're all adults. We choose to drink how we want. It's just the, it's important. I think that people understand the risks that they take when they're drinking. But one of the big things that alcohol does is it floods our bodies with adrenaline and cortisol, and that increases our anxiety. And so often, you know, when people talk about anxiety and you're waking up in the morning and you're like I used to wake up at three o'clock in the morning and you're kind of tearing yourself over the coals for all the things you've did and the fact that you drunk on the day when you said you weren't going to and all this stuff. It actually, and I think Huberman Labs just come out with a podcast talking about this, that overall alcohol reduces our resilience in everyday life. That's exactly what I was about to talk about. I was going to talk about resilience. We don't need to, but you're you're absolutely right. When you mentioned that alcohol increases anxiety and anxiety is is chipping away at our resilience, um, it's it's really interesting to see that um, thread. And it very much feels like part of my journey was that in corporate as well was that I was so brittle from drinking alcohol, caffeine, the adrenaline of kind of trying to be everything to everybody, which so many women find themselves in that situation, that when the shit hit the fan, I broke because I was that brittle. And I think that's true for many of us. It's like if we if we're having a really hard time, it's like putting gasoline on a fire, you know, we're yeah. exacerbating everything that's happening for us. It, it it just makes everything that little bit harder and it makes us much more. The one thing I would say from my clients and myself is the beauty of taking a break from examining your relationship with alcohol is to get a slight amount of distance between your thoughts and your feelings and your reaction. And mm-hmm. I think when you're drinking, we get so caught up in our thoughts and our feelings, don't we? It's like they're running the show 100% and we're being whirled around by them. Yeah. And you no longer act, but you react. Yes, exactly right. And then that just makes everything worse it does. for everybody. Yeah. So I can see why women choose when they're going through tough stuff and they really need Mm. to have their, you know, they need to be able to be grounded and be at home with themselves, that choosing to stop drinking for a period of time would be an an absolute no-brainer. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, I have my own story around that. So I gave up drinking. I'm not sure how I can align it with timing with regards to the divorce, but I do remember I was already separated. I gave up drinking a lot, got in great shape, was fit and healthy and wonderful. Um, then I met my current partner. He's amazing. We were drinking again. And then I needed to take a break, right? So I've, I gave up drinking for, in the end, it was 10-month period. And in that period, I was running ultra marathons. I was running like uh, running races on the Great Wall of China and ultra wow. you know, mountain marathons in Vietnam. And I was just wow. doing extremely well with work. Um, I was just at the peak. Like everything was doing yeah. extremely well. Right? I was yeah. like literally winning medals, <laughs> yeah. giving myself yeah. nice pats on the back. <laughs> 
But my ex-husband was drinking quite a lot. Now, he was in a terrible position. He'd lost his job. He was suffering from anxiety and depression. Yeah. He clearly had no control over the alcohol at all. And I remember at one point um, my son, who must have been nine or ten at the time, had said, I'm never drinking, I'm never, never, never drinking. And I thought, oh, this is concerning, actually, because Mm. he's got one parent who is in a really bad place and is drinking, Mm. and he sees the other parent, you know, succeeding at life and doing all these incredible things and not drinking. And I actually counterintuitively decided to start drinking again in order to provide a healthy role model for my children. So so that you know they would see that it's okay to have a glass of wine with a meal yeah you know it's okay that you know mummy will sometimes say yes to the gin and tonic I can still run an ultra marathon I can still make sure that our family functions and is close and and I'm not going to end up unemployed and depressed and anxious yes yeah yeah. um just because I've got a glass of wine I felt like they needed to be role modeled something healthy yeah that makes sense as it turns out I've given up again now but who knows how long that will be for it's not For me, it's about that relationship you say, you know, it's not about the yes or no. For me, it's not binary. I don't have to not yeah. drink and things are okay. Yeah. It's about not letting it control That's right. my habits. And yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Fabulous. So do you think it's possible sounds- to have a, a balance? Do you think it's possible to be drinking but not much? Or do you think there yeah. needs to be an offer on? I mean, absolutely. Some people have a very healthy relationship with alcohol. I would say it's, from my, my experience, it's probably, um, a, you know, a smaller percentage than one would think that can have yeah, a healthy okay. relationship with alcohol. But I think that from my experience, what you do, like where you say, okay, it's starting to take over a little bit. I'm going to back it off again because I don't want, yeah. that's the way to do it. And I always say to my clients, because most clients come to me wanting to, looking to moderate is generally what people want to do. Um, And I always say you absolutely can moderate people, moderate all the time. The important thing is that you know that it's always going to be a little bit of a battle because chemically alcohol is an addictive substance and the way it works in your body is it makes you want more. And so you have to constantly be putting those guardrails in yourself and saying, actually, you know, this is, these are my non-negotiables. This is how I do alcohol. And if I start to sort of, if it starts to creep up a bit or it starts to sort of, you know, start taking over in ways that I don't want it to, then I need to take take another break. Yeah. And and go from there. That's exactly if how I find I myself getting to the end of the day thinking, Oh, when can I have that glass of that's wine? It. When can that's okay once or twice a week. It's not okay if it's every day. And then I'm like, All right, yeah. now it's time. Take a break. Yeah. I'm gonna stop. It's got too much control over me and I don't like giving anything that much control over me. Good on you. No. Good on you. <laughs> yeah. So I've got some other questions for you. Um what do you think people find hardest about giving up? I think that decision. Yeah, I I would say um, sitting with their feelings, sitting with discomfort. Mm. Um, So many women drink to um, kind of ignore things that are making them unhappy and to escape from difficult, strong, big emotions. Yeah. 
to numb um, and to cope with overwhelm. So that's, and also there's a lot of women as well who drink because that's the only way they can give themselves permission to sit down and they can stop the voice going on in their head, you know, all the to-dos, everything I need to do. It's so interesting when you, when you talk about women and alcohol, it's so much more complex than you'd imagine because there's a lot of it that's to do with kind of our social, um, you know, the way that, yeah, uh, and our culture um, and, you know, having to give out to everybody all the time, being completely exhausted, perfectionism. So I think the hardest thing is learning how do you manage those things and probably the hardest thing of all is prioritizing yourself and mm-hmm. loving yourself and i think that's the thing that people find the hardest of anything is like having compassion for yourself understanding you can only do so much and prioritizing your own health and well-being we find that I had so a, hard it's so true last week i was talking to a business coach and i'd said you know we were talking about what what worked well last month what didn't work well and i said well what didn't work well was i've got my to-do list so big and I feel like I can't make any impact you know I just can't get through it all and she said what you need is to reconnect with yourself and Mm -hmm. take a break and I needed that permission actually to step away from my computer go for a walk on the beach and I came back so much more re-energized it was you know this counterintuitive put yourself first it was the oxygen mask um analogy Absolutely. right i needed to put my own oxygen mask on and i teach people this all the time i know i, forget. Like, I know what's wrong with me i know i'm the same we all do it don't, don't we yeah we do sometimes yeah. you need that nudge so if there's any yeah, you do so then this is your reminder go and take that break like, that's right that's sit absolutely. down quietly with yeah. a glass of sparkling water and just look mm. at the whatever the artwork in your house or the view in the distance just take a break so important 100% I found that interesting what you said finding it hardest one of the hardest things about giving up is sitting with those feelings and discomfort I've heard this analogy that I really love around um, pushing feelings away is like pushing an inflatable beach yeah. ball under the water yes. in your swimming pool or under yes. the, whatever under the water exactly. and you're pushing it down keeping it you know keeping it down until it just wants to come back up yes so you're fighting a losing battle until you sit with those feelings of discomfort that's exactly right that's not exactly fun right. but we do need to do it no okay no. what's what's the best time to experiment with not drinking if you want to Give it a go. You've decided, okay, I'm not the best version of myself. It has yeah. a little bit more control over me. When's the best time to try it? I think when you know that you you something really needs to change. I think when you feel it, it's almost like it's not a it should, it's a it must. I think mm. that's a really when yeah. like, oh, things are getting a bit out of control. I'm not feeling very proud of myself anymore. I'm you know, waking up, like I say, my sleep's being disturbed. I, I, it's really a very personal level. Um, but I think if you are feeling that alcohol starting to take more than it gives and you're feeling that you need to make a change, that's the time to do it. To, listen yeah. to that Listen voice. to your intuition because yeah. it usually knows, doesn't it? What about yeah. if someone was to say to you, I'd love to, 
but now's not the right time. Now's a really difficult time to give up. I've got birthdays and Christmas or, you know, too much going on in my life and I don't have the strength of character to make it through. What would you say to someone then? I would 100% say you know yourself better than anybody else does. And my recommendation then would be to just start with that mindful drinking piece where we start to become really aware of when we're drinking, how we're drinking, why we're drinking, and just really Mm. monitor that. Because if you're not ready yet, there's a great way to start doing the work, start realizing how much you're drinking, what your triggers are, generally, what are you running away from? What are you running towards? Um, And then just different things like when in when in the day, do you start thinking about it? Ah, what what does it feel like when you have that first drink? What's it feel like in your mouth? What's it feel like in your head? What's it feel like in your body? And just going through that process without, again, awareness, no judgment. No judgment. Literally. And when I stopped drinking, that's it. When I stopped (laughs) drinking for the first time, I did, before I did the alcohol experiment, I did about three months where I just let myself drink and I just observed what I was doing and I started to understand what my triggers were. And when you then do decide to take a break, it's so much easier because you've got the data to work on yeah. and you know yeah. you know what's going on with you. Yeah. I was going to ask then if you wanted to give up, how do you scaffold? But I think you've just given us the beginning of that scaffolding. Is there, is there anything more to Definitely. know? So if the scaffolding begins with mindfulness and understanding then what might come next definitely for me um when i'm working with people ongoing the scaffolding we have is we have we set our intention for the week or the month so how do we want to feel everything's about how you want to feel rather than specific goals because we know that that's a much more exciting thing to move towards as a human being than 50 press-ups on (laughs) (laughs) much less we can do it. but it <laughs> but it's very much about how am I going to love myself you know so how am I going to nourish myself t- this week how am I going to um, be mindful increase my mindfulness because that really helps particularly with cravings but also with how do I ha- how do I get that connection between that sort of primitive part of my brain that's the reactionary part and the sort of thinking part of my brain and it's the thinking part of your brain that's going to say no it's not the right time to, for you to drink right now but the the unconscious the sort of more primitive part of your brain is going I've had a really bad day I need to have a drink yeah, you know yeah. so, so mindfulness is that's yeah. exactly right. So mindfulness is a great practice, just a daily five minutes a day, even just something as simple as just going for a walk and you know naming the things that you see, especially for women with very busy minds, because a lot of that's a lot of the reason women drink is to get away from all the thoughts and the to do lists and all the concerns and the ruminations and all the things that they should have done and they haven't done. And what's their mother in law said on the phone earlier? <laughs> whatever it might be what has their ex-husband said or done to trigger yeah exactly Exactly. and catastrophizing then everything yeah Yeah. imagining that that that, uh, comment 
might lead to a particular action on that exactly. side and then you start catastrophizing exactly. oh my god what's he gonna do what's gonna, gonna do. happen and then i need to drink uh, some it all down absolutely yeah, absolutely and it's mind. that learning learning that learning different ways to work with your mind so that you can not have to use alcohol as the only way that you can make it stop you know yeah. so you start yeah. to develop some of the tools whatever they might be everyone's different everyone's nervous system is yeah. different but Beautiful. you know for some people it's dancing some people it's walking some people it's breath work it's always through the body though whatever it is it's always okay that's interesting yeah. you can't mm. i i do a lot of work in training your mind and training those thoughts yes um but i do a lot less in the body yes but i can see why you need to get out it's a, yeah. it's a great circuit breaker uh for them yeah, you know, like course. even just getting in the shower it's a great way of like, yeah, that's true. Out that's of a, true. Yeah. 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 Nice. Um, amazing, Emma. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how people can work with you? You've spoken about some of your one-on-one -on -one coaching, um, but tell me a little bit more and I'll put everything in the show notes about how they can connect with you to find out more. I think already you've shared so much that's super helpful in understanding why we drink, starting to you know, take the steps towards making that choice if you feel it's the right thing to do. And then if somebody wanted to come and work with you, what would that look like? Yeah, so as, as you said, I do my one-to-one -one coaching and then I also run an alcohol experiment. At the moment, I run them four times a year. And they are, like you said, <clears throat> Rebecca, they're basically come in to an experiment. And so you, without any um, kind of, I've I've got to stop drinking for 30 days. It's like I'm going in to find out about oh, alcohol, yeah. what it does to my body, and I'm also going in to find out about me and how what thoughts and beliefs I've got about alcohol. If I can what shift resistance them, there might be what, exactly out. right, exactly yeah. right, and whether or not those things are true or are they just something that we've incorporated from society, from the media, from our cultural upbringing, um, and that just lasts for thirty days, and it's a really intense group program, co everyday coaching, um, everyday, and then amazing. It's yeah, I love it. It's so energizing for me because people. People have a really good time when we're on it as well. We have a lot of fun. Um, Supporting each other, I'm sure. Holding each yeah. other, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then after that, I run a membership program. So if you've done my alcohol experiment or any alcohol experiment or had any connection with this naked mind, then I do a membership program, which I open after the alcohol experiment four times a year. And how long does that membership program? Is that like uh, people? It's a twelve-month one, monthly? but you can pay as you okay. uh, pay as you go and stop whenever you want to. That's totally, okay. totally fine. Amazing, yes. Emma. Thank you so much. I'm going to put your contact thank details you. in the show notes so that people can stay connected with you. I think you've shared so much of value here, and I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it too. Thanks for listening. I hope you took something of value out of this episode. I'm your host, Becca Maxwell, and you can find me on the web at dodivorceright.com or on Instagram at dodivorceright. I look forward to connecting with you there.